Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show to talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market like we are every Sunday here on WFLA News. I'm flying solo today. My normal co-host, Mike Corrigan with uh, Cross Country Mortgage is out getting some education about what's going on in the mortgage market. That's something I'm going to talk a little bit about today with uh, interest rates and new programs and, and lots of uh, lots of changes in the real estate world. But one thing that's still a constant um, is that homes are still selling and Tampa Bay is still a destination market. So you may hear a lot of chatter and discussion about changes coming to the real estate market. And there's no doubt that changes are coming and, and there is a little bit of a shift coming. Nothing like we saw back in 2008, but things are going to slow down a little bit because of affordability and because of higher rates. But still a great opportunity to sell a home, still a lot of cash out in the marketplace that really... Uh, doesn't care about interest rates, uh, and and a lot of people moving to our area. So it's still a great time to sell homes, still a great time to buy a home. It's just um, softening a little bit uh, compared to where it was maybe six months or a year ago. But the market is going to see much needed inventory. So if you're a buyer that's been frustrated because you haven't been able to get a home or haven't been able to find a home, more inventory is coming on the market. So be prepared for uh, that opportunity. Um, if you're a home seller, what I want to talk about next is a home selling timeline and 10 steps to sell a house. And, and this is crucial because when the market was super hot, um, and, and again, look, it's still pretty hot. I mean, we put a bunch of homes on the market this week and most all of them got multiple offers. So don't think that our market's going to suddenly slow down and see like homes sitting on the market forever. Uh, is it going to slow a little bit? Is it, It's more of a stabilization, I guess you could call it. But homes are still selling. Homes are still selling fast. And we're still in a drastic seller's market with way more buyers than we have inventory for. But because of some changes and a little bit of drop in buyer demand, the timeline for selling a home changes a little bit. And the steps that you have to take. A year ago or six months ago, uh, home sellers could go on the market and maybe skip some of these crucial steps and still sell their home because there was such a shortage of inventory that people were willing to um, accept issues with a house or repairs or problems because there were no other options for them. That is going to start to change a little bit. We've been hovering around a month to month and a half of inventory in Tampa. I expect that's going to go up a little bit into the twos and threes over the next several months. But keep in mind, a balanced market is considered six months. Above six months is a buyer's market. We're still way below that. We're still in a drastic seller's market, just not as drastic as it was six months or a year ago. So here are some timeline steps to selling your house. Well, the very first thing that you need to look at doing is making renovations and repairs. And again, the hotter the market, the less likely the seller is to have to do these things. Um, sellers can get away with some of the cosmetic repairs or light renovations when the market's hot because there are enough buyers for it that they can get the buyer to buy the home regardless. When the market starts to turn a little bit, those renovations and repairs become crucial uh, to compete against uh, rising competition and more homes coming on the market. Now, the other important part of making renovations and repairs is it can maximize the amount of money you put in your pocket. Um, we've seen a trend in the last few years of more and more sellers wanting this instant cash kind of trade-in program, um, you know, almost like, you know, get rid of their house for cash instead of putting it on the open market. And when sellers do that, they're doing it for convenience. Certainly, we do that program. We'll buy your house cash. We'll give you an instant cash offer anytime you want it. However, 
sellers are leaving money on the table when they do that because these repairs that someone that's going to make when they buy your house are going to make the home worth more. So by you not making these renovations or repairs and opting for convenience, you're leaving some money on the table. So savvy people in a in a changing market will be more adept to make the repairs and renovations and improvements to prevent fall through on home inspection, to prevent problems with insurance, and to ensure the most amount of money possible for the home. So step one is making renovations and repairs. Step two is finding an agent. Um, when the market shifts, it's a whole lot harder to do the job yourself and sell it yourself. Uh, six months or a year ago, people could have put their home on their market themselves and maybe pulled off selling it. When the market changes, you need all the marketing and resources, not just an agent, but you need a great agent. Um, the when, when the market changes, the inexperienced agents that haven't been through these market changes before don't know how to adapt. And they're not spending enough on marketing to get enough eyes on the house when uh, they didn't have to because everything was so easy. It was almost like realtors a year ago were order takers. Now the professionals, the cream kind of rises to the top. So finding a great listing agent. Then figuring out how much the house is worth. Talking to the agent, running some figures, doing some due diligence. I always believe there are multiple ways you can price a home. You can price it at market, below market, or above market. The home will sell as long as you don't price it too far above market and make adjustments. It's just a matter of how quick it sells and how far off of the asking price it sells. So if you price it too high, you might have to make a price correction at some point to get it to the right number. So the key is your timeline, what your motivation is, and what your desires are. Uh, Next, declutter or stage. When I say declutter, I always tell people, if you're going to hire us to sell your house, you're going to move, so you might as well start now. Start packing up your belongings, um, you know, put your collections away, um, box up stuff that you can, find boxes for furniture, uh, find movers, Basically, you want your space to look like a model home as best it can. And look, I understand that isn't possible for every price point and every home seller. So there are some people out there that aren't going to be able to get it to look just like a model home. Get it as close to that as you can. Make sure it's clean. Make sure there is um, any cosmetic defects get um, addressed. And uh, make sure to get rid of as much personal stuff that could distract the home buyer. People don't realize how important that is. this is because when someone is in your home, you want them paying attention to what they're going to buy, which is your house, not your stuff. If you have a really extravagant stuff or a, a really neat autograph collection, it's great. It's awesome that people would look at that. But guess what they're not looking at when they're paying attention to your stuff? They're not looking at the house. They're distracted. So, If you really want to sell your house, you want to neutralize it, you want to make sure that all of those things are put away, um, and you want to, again, you want to make it as neutral as possible so that you don't have uh, distracted home buyers that end up not buying your home because they're paying too much attention to your stuff. Um, You want to make sure that you work with the agent to look at the photos, the listing description, the videos, all the marketing. Make sure to proofread it. Make sure there's no mistakes. Ask them why they do certain things the way they do. Um, A lot of experienced agents have the ability to be able to explain and tell you, hey, look, this is why we do this or this is our experience level. Um, You want to hold home showings and open houses as best you can. You want to provide as much access to the home as you can. The Every showing you turned down could have been the buyer that was going to pay your price or could have been the second buyer to show up to help drive the first buyer up. You don't want to reduce the number of buyers that can make an offer on your house. And by not showing it or not holding it open, you're reducing traffic 
And, you know, it's, there's a reason why some Walmarts and pharmacies are open 24 hours a day. It's because the access to them is so easy, they get business from that. The more you restrict the access, the more business you're turning away. So if you're going to make a commitment to sell your home, understand that it will be a little inconvenient. And as the market shifts, you have to be even more accommodating than you might have had to have been uh, when the market was a little tighter. Um, you want to wait for an offer or offers to roll in and then negotiate. And here's a key point of this. Negotiate and be patient. Uh, I've seen far too many sellers leave money on the table by accepting or countering the first offer too quickly and then getting under contract before they've even had a chance to let other buyers show up and compete for the home. So be patient. You want to communicate with the buyer that's made an offer on your house. You want to counter them. You want to, you want to make sure they know that you're looking at it, but you don't want to move uh, too quickly. Uh, then once you accept an offer, you have to get through all the steps. And this is where great real estate agents really earn their money. Uh, people do not understand that the hardest part of selling a home has nothing to do with getting the buyer. It has everything to do with getting the buyer to closing. Navigating through all of the steps relating to surveys, inspections, appraisals, insurance, um, you know, maintenance, repairs, all of these things that can derail a transaction. And when you talk about insurance, there are so many insurance carriers leaving the state right now that if your real estate agent doesn't have a great relationship and have a really solid understanding of the insurance market, you can lose deals over that as well. So making sure that, that you go through all that process with an experienced agent because experienced agents know that how to navigate through these areas in shifting markets. You know, my company has been through multiple shifts having done this for, you know, 16, over 16 years. And I've seen the challenges that come with insurance and financing when things change a little bit. And a lot of real estate agents that don't have experience doing that, you know, will will unfortunately blow up transactions because they don't have the experience to navigate through those steps. Last but not least, you get to the closing table, close the deal and move out. One key caveat to this that I see a lot of uh, real estate agents and sellers make mistakes on, the seller needs to have the property cleaned have all of their stuff out and have the property in the same condition as it was when the buyer first went under contract. If that doesn't happen, then the buyer can ask for the seller to compensate. The buyer could potentially not close. So you want to make sure to have all of your belongings removed. You want to clean the house. You want to pass the home off to the buyer in the best shape possible. The more stuff that you leave, uh, the sloppier job you do, uh, the more chance that it could cost you more money than it's really worth because the buyer will have leverage at that point or the buyer could potentially walk. So you want to make sure that on your move out, you take care of things. You clean the property, hire a cleaner or clean it yourself, uh, You know, address any items that were required to be addressed before move in um, and, and have the house nice and clean. Um, and, and address anything that could have happened prior to closing, but after the point in which the home went under contract, because those are things that the buyers required to keep in comparable condition with most real estate contracts. Again, every real estate contract's different. I've talked about that before, but most real estate contracts are going to have a clause that talks about the property staying in the same condition as it was uh, when it went under contract. So those are our uh, steps to sell a house. Hopefully that's helpful for you. If you are thinking about selling your house, just head on over to duncanduo.com. When we want, when we aren't on air, make sure to follow us on all of our socials. We are at the Duncan duo. 
uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Snapchat, uh, Facebook. And if you're a past client of ours, send us a message on one of our socials, please. And we will add you to our private VIP page uh, on uh, Facebook where we give away stuff that we don't give away to the public. We've given away lightning tickets. We've given away playoff tickets, signed jerseys, meet and greets, uh, movie tickets, all kinds of really cool things. So if you have worked with my company as a client before, send us a message and we'll get you added so that uh, you can get some cool freebies. Well, we'll uh, we're going to be back continuing our conversation. I'm going to talk a little bit more about interest rates after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. And if you've been paying attention, you know that interest rates have dramatically risen with inflation and the cost of lots of other things. And um, it is certainly going to have an impact on the real estate market and affordability. But one thing that I want you to understand about the rise in rates is that um, while it will remove some buyers from the marketplace, we already had such a massive surplus of buyers where we were getting 30 and 40 offers on some homes. We had way more buyers in the marketplace than we did sellers. This is going to eliminate some of them. But the reality is, um, I don't believe it's going to have an enormous impact on home sales or values at this point, simply because there are enough buyers that can afford the rise in rates or that have cash that are still looking for property in Tampa Bay. Some of the largest hedge funds in the world have not slowed down making cash offers on properties. Um, so if you're a home buyer and this has concerned you, uh, there's two things to pay attention to. Number one, um, the longer you wait, just based on everything that we're seeing, the more the rate's going to rise. So while you might be upset that you didn't get in the threes when they're now in the fives, uh, you, in, in six months from now, you may be upset that you didn't get into fives because it's now the sixes. They're going to keep rising. And then again, they fluctuate, they go up and down a little bit, but, but they're going to continue, uh, in a, in a, in a, you know, rising pace simply because of everything going on with the economics of, of, you know, our country. So prices, even if prices, you know, drop, uh, the rising rates could cost you more money. Um, and I don't believe anyone is expecting prices in Tampa to drop anytime soon. Too much demand, um, you know, still a very healthy market for um, people moving here. And, and um, you know, because of all of those things, if you wait, the longer you wait, the more it's going to cost you. And the other side of it is you're paying a mortgage, whether you're paying your mortgage or whether you're paying your landlord's mortgage. And all that's going to happen, just like a rise in the minimum wage. Um, you know, people expect that, okay, we're going to increase the minimum wage and that's going to help everybody out. All of that really does is just cause business owners to increase prices of everything. Um, you know, the rising minimum wage doesn't really help people out in, in reality, uh, unless, um, uh, there's a rise in minimum wage without an increase in business owners and corporations to cost because they look for other ways to cut costs. They'll either, uh, you know, hire computers and start computers and do touchscreen stuff and then have less jobs. But when you increase the rate, you know, and you increase what an investor is going to pay for that property when they finance it, they're simply going to increase the rent. So if you think renting is going to be cheaper for you in the short term, unfortunately, it just is not. It doesn't. So nothing supports that. All that's going to happen is that's going to trickle down to the end user as the tenant. So whether or not you're paying an in increase in rent or an increase in mortgage, both of those things are going to increase. And I would caution you that if you 
are upset at rising rates and thinking about not buying, go out and compare what you could get a mortgage for and the financial benefit and the equity gain over the long term with what you're paying in rent. And I promise you, you're going to see in Tampa Bay, uh, you know, greater addition to your net worth by owning than you are by renting. So, um, you know, the, all of those landlords that are renting out properties are not doing it to lose money. Okay, so they're doing it to make money and they're making money on you. So you can choose to be upset and not want to make money for the mortgage lender and keep renting. And you're simply passing that profit to the landlord that would be in your pocket or an increased equity. So interest rates are going to have an impact. They're going to reduce some people. They're going to push some people out of the market. Uh, But in the short term, it's going to be a pretty negligible impact. It just depends on how high they go realistically in terms of how it will impact pricing here. Uh, Most people were predicting Tampa to be the number one appreciating real estate market in the country this year. Uh, I think a lot of people are still predicting that. Last year, we saw almost a 30% gain in equity uh, year over year in our average sale price. Uh, A lot of people are are still expecting a big gain, but maybe not quite 30%. So we're not talking about depreciation. Okay, Depreciation is homes losing value. Uh, what most economists and analysts and everyone is predicting now is a slowdown in appreciation, meaning that instead of homes going up 30%, now maybe they, you know, they go up less. So, um, you know, we're not we're not really going to see home values dramatically dropping. Our expectation is we're going to see appreciation slowing. So, again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. What I'm going to talk about next. Real estate careers, if you're someone that's thinking about getting a real estate, into real estate, you're thinking about a real estate career, you're thinking about a change, uh, when a market changes, when a market shifts, the cream rises to the top. A lot of companies struggle with it. A lot of companies fail, go out of business, and a lot of real estate agents get out of the business or, or look for new leadership and look for new opportunities to continue uh, being a real estate agent. And I'm going to talk about that. Uh, after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. And I teased this before the break, uh, talking about a real estate career and real estate jobs. Um, you can always go to our website at jointheduo.com or duncanduo.com and click on real estate careers um, to inquire about joining our team or about some of the positions we have open. Um, but one of the things I want to talk about as someone thinking about getting into real estate, look, The market had a huge run up and it got really hot. And what happens when the market gets hot and it's cooling off a little bit, it's still pretty hot, but it's cooling off a little bit. And and so what ends up happening in a hot real estate market is more people get into the real estate business because they think that it is, um, you know, easy. Uh, And and for some intents and purposes in periods of time, it can be over the long term. It's not. And I think what we're going to see now is a, a more challenging real estate market where the most successful companies will still continue to be successful, but a lot of smaller companies that that um, you know that are heavily debt uh, influenced or leveraged are going to struggle. And we saw that we saw Compass lay off thousands of people. We saw Redfin lay off people. Um, you know, some of these companies that are riddled with debt that that haven't profited um, are going to struggle as the market shifts because. Uh, There are going to be maybe fewer transactions per agent or more agents getting out of the business and more agents not paying those monthly fees that a lot of brokerages make money off of. So what do you do if you're thinking about getting into real estate now? Um, I still think it's an incredible opportunity to get into real estate. I think it's a great career. Uh, I think the biggest mistake that most people make when they get into real estate, and it's why the failure rate for real estate agents is is one of the highest out of any profession in the first year. 
uh, more real estate agents are out of the business in their first year than, than make it past their first year in Florida. So l- let me repeat that. More real estate agents get out of the business in their first year than make it past their first year. It is a very, very competitive industry. And the main reason why most real estate agents fail is because they pick the wrong company. They pick the company that either offers them some crazy high split and they think, oh, I'm going to make all of this money per deal when they don't have the ability to generate any deals. 100% of zero is still zero. Um, Or they go somewhere and they're just a number. They don't have uh, any personalized attention. They go to one of these companies that have hundreds of agents per office that there's no way they can give individual attention to help all of those people truly become successful. In my model, we don't add more agents than we can provide one-on-one mentoring and support for on an ongoing basis. We want to make sure that agents are um, getting the attention they need uh, and, and shifting in a challenging real estate market. Uh, and it's why my my agency doesn't have hundreds of agents because I want to have enough agents that I have enough leads to support, but also that I can provide them enough one-on-one mentoring from high-producing top agents to help them be successful. So many people make the mistake of going to the wrong company that's all about recruiting, and then they don't have enough to offer that agent, and then that agent thinks real estate's a bad industry when all the reality is the agent just picked the wrong company. So be very careful. If you're thinking about getting into real estate, don't go to the place that's offering you, uh, you know, some crazy high split and all these unrealistic things with the expectation that you're going to generate all the business. Because when you become a real estate agent, you not only have to learn how to sell houses, but you have to learn how to generate the business. You have to learn how to close transactions. In my model, we take a lot of that off your plate. So you can focus on being a real estate agent and not have to be a marketing expert or a transaction expert. Uh, and, and we believe by taking those things off the plate, you're allowed to focus more and get really good at being an agent, you know, a salesperson versus having to wear all those hats and juggle all of those things at once. So if you're interested in a career with us, again, you can go to jointheduo.com. You can go to duncanduo.com and hit real estate careers. You can message us on any one of our socials and we'll reach out to you with the steps to apply. But our business model is much different than others in that we're looking for agents that can produce. We're not looking for people to hang their license and do a deal a year. We're looking for people that we can provide leads, coaching, and mentoring to that can make a six-figure income and they can plug into an existing model and be part of an already winning team. If that's you, if that fits you, whether you're at an agency or not, whether you're thinking about a change at your current brokerage, or whether you're thinking about getting into the business, you know, hit us up on one of our socials or again at jointheduo.com. So I want to talk next about the Hometown Heroes program, the Florida Hometown Heroes housing program that was um, created and approved uh, by the best governor in the country, Ron DeSantis. And uh, interestingly enough, The cool thing about this program, there's a lot more information coming out about it, but if you're buying a home and you're a frontline worker, okay, so here is the list of frontline community workers, law enforcement officers, firefighters, educators, healthcare professionals, childcare employees, and active military or veterans. If you are one of these people, this program provides down payment and closing cost assistance to first-time income-qualified homebuyers so they can purchase a primary residence and community in which they work and serve. The Florida Hometown Heroes Loan Program also offers lower first mortgage rate and additional special benefits to those who have served and continue to serve their country. Um, Florida funded this with with a fortune of money that's already starting to uh, dwindle. However, they're going to keep funding it. 
So this is going to stay available. If you're a person that is one of those frontline people, make sure you're talking to a lender that is familiar with this program and you're going into this program. It can save you a lot of money, get you a better deal. Um, It's an incredible program. It's something that our state has done to try and reduce the gap between these large hedge funds coming in and buying up all the real estate and the you know regular you know average joe home buyer that um you know has served their country in some admirable way uh and can't get a house can't win an offer the program really is incredible some of the details uh again for the um hometown harris program you can find out more about it at floridahousing.org but um they can receive lower rates on fha VA, Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, first mortgage, reduced upfront fees, no origination points or discount points, and down payment and closing cost assistance. Borrowers can receive up to 5% of the first mortgage loan amount, maximum of $25,000 in down payment and closing cost assistance. They can get down payment and closing cost assistance in the form of a 0% non-amortizing 30-year deferred second mortgage. This second mortgage becomes due and payable in full upon the sale of the property, refinancing of the first mortgage, transfer of the deed, or if the homeowner no longer occupies the property or is primary. The Florida Hometown Heroes Loan is not forgivable. Find out if you're eligible um, you know, on this website, but again, the best place to find out if you're eligible is talking to your mortgage loan officer. There are income limitations, but uh, they put it as... They put it in a place where I believe most frontline workers are going to qualify. Now, look, if you're a, um, you know, if, if you're a, a plastic surgeon and make millions of dollars a year, yeah, you're probably not going to qualify, but you wouldn't really need this program to begin with. So, uh, but we can still help you too. If you're out there, hit us up, DuncanDuo.com. But again, an incredible program for people that are frontline workers. So I'm going to repeat what the frontline workers are again. And next week when I have Mike back on the show, I'm sure he'll go into more detail about this because it's something that is really becoming attractive for people. But the frontline community workers are as follows. Law enforcement officers, firefighters, educators, healthcare professionals, child care employees, and active military or veterans. So if you fit one of those, um, you know, and you're thinking about buying a home, talk to your mortgage lender and they can determine whether or not you qualify based on your income. But it is uh, really one of the one of the great programs out there right now for uh, people buying a residence and needing help and support against fighting against um, some of these uh, hedge funds that are in the marketplace uh, right now. So, again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo real estate show here on WFLA News. We're here every Sunday at 10. You can follow us on our socials at the Duncan Duo, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Snapchat, TikTok. How to buy a second home. A lot of people don't realize this, but a second home is not like buying your first home. You need to show enough income, not counting rental income, about the second home that you can afford the second home mortgage if you're qualifying for a mortgage. If you're not qualifying for a mortgage, it's really not that much different than buying your primary residence. But the mortgage process for a second home is is one of the things that can be challenging. Um, They're typically going to require uh, more of a down payment and a better credit score. They're a little bit higher risk because you're not getting use out of the home as much. Those are some of the things that go by, you know, that that have problems in a shifting market. So there's more risk for the lender. So they want more money up front and a, a better credit score. You're probably going to pay a higher interest rate right now as well on a vacation home. Uh, it used to be where the rate wasn't that much different, but as the market has changed a little bit, the rates have risen. 
um, you are going to look at, um, you know, a higher rate. And lenders really look carefully to ensure second home buyers are financially capable of paying both mortgages. So you can't count rental income. They need to know that you have the income without renting out the property at all to pay the mortgage. And again, part of the reason for them doing that, uh, you know, again, if you think back the, the past few years, sometimes properties can't get rented. And if you can't afford the mortgage on your own, that's a risk for the lender. Um, certainly, you can tell them, oh, I'm going to rent it out all the time. Airbnb is doing great. But Airbnb doesn't fix your problem if there's a, a hurricane, if there is an oil spill, if there's a pandemic. Um, so all of these things uh, can, can become problematic for lenders. So they look for the ability to be able to pay both mortgages, even if the property is going to be rented or can be rented regularly. Um, when you're buying a second home, you also need to understand your um, taxes, property taxes, uh, income taxes. Talk to your CPA and understand the property taxes in that given market because they're different in every state. Some states have exemptions. Some states don't. Some states are higher millage rates. Some states don't have state income tax like Florida. So the property taxes can be a little higher. So you want to make sure that you know and understand the tax situation. Don't assume if you're buying a second home in a different state than you live, don't assume that real estate transactions, taxes, everything to do with real estate is the same as it is in your state. It's very likely not. You know, we recently had a buyer from New Jersey that was adamant that they would pick the attorney that would close the transaction and the seller in the contract, because the buyer didn't read it, um, the seller had the right to pick the title company. Uh, they were frustrated because that's not how they're used to doing real estate, but that's because they're used to doing real estate in New Jersey and not in Florida. So make sure that you understand the locals and norms of real estate in your community. So we're going to continue this conversation with our last segment. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Tampa Bay real estate market after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. I'm Andrew Duncan. I am flying solo this week. No Mike Corrigan with me from Cross Country Mortgage and no Robert Johnson, El Presidente of uh, of my real estate team. So, But what do I want to talk about next? Kind of a funny article I read. And it's titled, Visual Tricks Homestagers Are Playing on You. And I don't know if it's tricks, because I don't think homestagers are trying to trick anyone. I think homestagers are hired to do a job to help make a home look as best as it can look to get the most money for the seller for a cost to the homestager. So, you know, I don't know if I like the idea of calling them tricks like the article did, because they're, they're not really trying to trick anyone. They're simply trying to put the home in its best light. But nonetheless, that's what they call them. They call them tricks, so here they go. They never leave a room empty. The goal is to make the property look um, you know, like a model. They want a small space to look bigger, um, and, and they want to use furniture, however, that accomplishes that, not by leaving a, a property or a room empty. So an empty room gives the buyers no point of reference for size. So by furnishing a room buyers will remember it more likely and it gives them a reference for size and it gives them an emotional feeling that an empty room won't. They really think about furniture placement, okay? So stagers are used to looking at rooms and scanning them, you know, with their eyes to determine what would look good where and how much just based on experience. So they're they're really thinking about furniture placement. They use a rule of three and this is interesting. Uh, the, you're never going to see... Um, in a house, 
uh, that staged properly two stools or just two chairs at the breakfast bar. You're going to see three. Why? Because that's the average number of people. It's like um, you know two point uh, two adults and you know two kids. That that's the minimum um, is three. So. A lot of people moving into their home need to see a minimum of three, even if they're a young couple, because they plan to have a kid. Um, The other reason why using three works is because four can make it seem a little bit overcrowded. Even if four will be needed, three will do the job of letting people know that more than just a couple can sit at a table. So you're going to see a lot of space that uses three tables. They highlight focal points. So they set up the room so that you're going to make sure and pay attention to the fireplace or the view or the windows or the beautiful kitchen. Whatever the home's large selling features are, they want to make sure your eyes are gravitated to them. They create cozy conversation spaces. Whether the home is uh, a wide open layout um, or more of a traditional formal layout, they want to make it appear so that you can have little conversation areas uh, throughout the house for entertaining. Um, They don't overdo it with rugs. They're going to use rugs to center a room, and they're going to use rugs in spots, but they're not covering all the flooring with rugs because then it it causes red flags for buyers, and and people naturally like to see the difference between the flooring and and the rug. They use consistent color to make rooms flow. So in other words, if you're going to see orange pillows, you're going to see orange on the rug, maybe orange on the art. So they're going to try and color coordinate a room, much like you'd color coordinate your outfit or your closet or whatever it is that you want to color coordinate. They do their best to color coordinate rooms. And those kind of colors that pop, they try and tie them into multiple uh, either pieces of furniture, art, rugs, tables, light fixtures. Um, They let mirrors create the illusion of space. So in rooms that are a little bit smaller, they'll use mirrors to make the rooms feel larger. Uh, they never underestimate the power of a well-placed curtain rod. Hang curtain rods just below the ceilings as opposed to above the windows adds the illusion of height to an otherwise average size room. So that's another really great tip. Um, they find a style that works that, and stick to it. They look at the home. They look at the features, the flooring, the colors, the kitchen, uh, and they try and make that style flow throughout the house. So you're not going to see them likely using you know, Key West in run one room and then modern urban in another and then contemporary or traditional in another. They're going to have the same kind of flow throughout the house. Um, they skip the dresser. Again, this is something that a lot of people don't notice, but a lot of times in some of the guest or secondary bedrooms, they want the space to look larger. So they may put a um, a bed in it. They may put a TV on the wall, but they skip the dresser because they want the room to appear a little bit larger. Uh, Sometimes they'll hide the TV. Um, you know, they they can, um, again, ditch the TV to make the room look more visually appealing. Uh, I found that it depends on the price point of the home as to whether or not stagers do this. Um, sometimes they'll they'll want to make sure that the, the buyer knows where a TV can fit on the wall, uh, especially if it's a room with a lot of windows. Um, but nonetheless, um, you know, the, the last thing that they do is they let light in. You want to have a lot of natural light. Uh, a lot of homes that home stagers go into are dark, dark curtains, um, dark lighting. Um, you want to you want houses to be very well lit. Stagers will come through and change light bulbs, change light fixtures, uh, replace burned out light bulbs. And then, of course, make sure to open drapes and open up windows to bring as much natural light in as possible. So hopefully uh, you can understand that if you're a seller, those staging uh, tricks, as the article called it, will help you. 
help your home stand out, maybe help you put a little bit more money in your pocket. And as a home buyer, understand that there's a psychological aspect with those tweaks that they're doing to help you become attached to a home and more potentially to buy it and to buy it for more money. So again, you've been listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. When we aren't on air, again, follow us on all of our socials at the Duncan Duo and have an awesome rest of your Sunday, Tampa Bay.